Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and who showcase planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Marcus Geimer. Marcus is a German carpenter and pedagogue living in Brazil. His interest is in human integrity, which he is exploring in a variety of projects and contexts, such as making natural toys for children, economic education for youth, collaboration, trainings in organizations, and purpose consulting with individuals. In 2018, Marcus began developing new economic practices, responding to the demands he encountered in different communities he's involved in, creating cases with game-changing tendencies for our economic reality. And so that's what we're gonna to explore today with these words, welcome to the show, Marcus. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. I just recently um, finished an episode about a new digital currency called Seeds. I briefly mentioned it to you before we hopped on here. And so I think this is a great context to continue to explore economic practices and the way we can augment them to create a, a reality that works for more people and really doesn't just challenge our current status quo, but shows pragmatic next steps. And so maybe let's just start right there. Like, um, in 2018, you said you began developing these new practices. And so I think I remember you sharing with me that this is in the context of a um, Rudolf Steiner um, society or, or school or group. Yes. Um, so in, in 2018, we had a movement happening in the Anthroposophic Society um, talking about the renovation of the social tree folding. And there was a, a commitment made here in Brazil of uh, members of the social section to, to do something about that. And um, it was like shortly after that, that in, in my like, daily life, uh, a certain impulse came to me to do something about it. It was when we were um, um, in a parents' meeting at the school of my daughter, and we were talking about uh, how to finance the, the class trip that um, was going to be done soon. And uh, so everyone was saying, okay, so let's divide the total amount between the parents in an equal way. And then something was waking up in me and was like, why equal? Steiner's saying that is not equality that um, must be the leading principle in the economic um, realm, but in the economic realm, it will be only healthy if it's fraternity, um, which leads um, our, our, like the way how we organize everything in that area. And so I, I told that to people, wait, why do we do it in an equal way? Let's do it in a fraternal way. That is um, how I understood uh, Steiner said it would be healthy. And so they looked at me and said, okay, you do it. Um, so I was with that task now. How would I do that? What does that mean? And so I started to think about that. And I, de uh, I developed some ideas how that could be financed. <laughs> and what I found um, was that 
the, the idea of, of the to total being divided equally must, must radically be changed. And we must, as a community, finance the total. And if we, if we find patterns, how as a community, we can take co-responsibility co for the total amount, then we are moving into that um, principle of fraternity. Um, and so um, I, I developed a, a way how to do that and, and it was accepted by the group. And while we, um, while we were passing through the process, there was all kind of contribution that was included into making it better and making it work. And um, it led to, to quite um, um, revolutionary tendencies. Um, in, like what I was observing, the consequences that this way of doing had on people um, was quite revolutionary. That's exciting. Let's let, let me let me understand this, unpack this a little bit deeper, so we we, we can jump into this example with you, um, because I remember last time I, I was in Sao Paulo, you and I talked about it, and, and it was actually really fascinating. So, first, I guess this is a notion that is maybe really alive for most people: is if there is a a, a cost for a group, then everyone gets to pay an equal part, because we're used to this idea that we should equally contribute, but yet our economic system doesn't actually incentivize us equally. It doesn't pay us equally and the chances are like not at all equal. I mean, one individual, if it could possibly rise in a certain way, but, but overall the chances are like beyond uh, unequal in that sense, right? And so you're going back to the philosophy of Rudolf Steiner and the anthroposophic kind of body of work where he specifically points out, he said, that when it comes to economic um, exchanges, Equality is actually not serving us, but the fraternity of who is involved and how are we contributing as a collective to make the next step happen. And so what, what showed up in that process? Because I could only imagine that that's A, really foreign to people, um, you know, and then B, in a way, I'm, I'm familiar with it somewhat, let's say, by suggested donations, like based on pay what you can kind of uh, system. Yeah. Um, so, so maybe it's important to to say that um, um, it, like this, it, it is the social the, the idea of social threefolding that in some way articulates very well of of um, what I'm talking about, and and it is that um, Steiner was saying there is the way how we organize society is basically very destructive. And so we need to reorganize ourselves, um, membering society into three basic areas, uh, each one um, um, following a different principle. And so equality is, of course, a very um, noble uh, principle that we are, uh, we, 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 we are developing um, as humanity. Um, but um, the question is, in which sector is it um, an adequate principle to live after? And that's where he said, 
in the in the realm of of politics of agreements that is where we need to um, organize everything very um, firmly according to to the principle of equality and um, as well with liberty um, liberty um, as the third of those three principles of the French Revolution um, it is the the principle that he um, 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 uh, places or he, he, he relates to the um, to the area of culture so culture religion education that is where we need um, to organize those areas according to the principle of liberty and so uh, every time that there is some kind of mixture here when we have the um, f the, the liberty and the equality mixing into the economic economic sector we have uh, co corruption or like um, um, the, the 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 free market out of control right like when the liberty gets into that sector um, or as well when fraternity that is supposed to organize the sector of economy gets um, gets too much influence on on the other sectors it uh, like if you if you say in 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 science we need to be fraternal um, you will understand that that is not a good idea because the scientists need to be free to follow what they're figuring out it's not about like like adapting to what the other one says and and kind of finding a way together right it's not about fraternity that this area is about or as well when we go to um to the to the realm of uh, of of politics of the agreements and we bring the principle of fraternity into that what we then have is um uh, probably um, corruption because um you're taking care of your own family in 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 those realms right of your brothers and that is, is not very what much about. what we've seen in a global context right as we've seen uh, political leaders across all nations really i mean um without pointing fingers too too much in countries like the us with the current president or brazil where you are sitting for this conversation today it, it's quite a bit more obvious that there is fraternity brought into the political context over and over and over again that actually doesn't serve the people right yeah. um and very interesting i love where you're going with this unpacking this further for everyone who is not as deeply um connected to the anthroposophical body and worldview so so yeah keep keep going and unpack this for us because i think we're getting we're getting to the gold of of the actual example that happened in your in your daughter's school yeah and so um steiner then even 100 years ago he um he looked at the dynamics of society and he saw that the big catastrophes of the world wars were coming uh, because of those uh, mixture and, and uh, the, the way how we would organize our society. And so he was proposing the tree, the social tree folding as, a, as an attempt to, to, um, um, to, to avoid um, what he saw was coming, right? And um, yeah. And, uh, and 
those dynamics of of course continued because uh social tree folding was not um um how do you say in, introduced in a big scale into our societal organization and and so today we are of course um still in the same struggles in some way that the, the, the agreements with which we are organizing our societies are leading to destruction, uh, to destruction intrinsically. So it is basically the way how we organize that creates the problems that we are facing. Very much so. And it's, it's become, in the year 2020, it's become blatantly obvious, right? Both on the individual level, on the, the microcosm of cities, the microcosm of uh, countries, and then also, of course, on the planetary uh, level, if we look at pollution and, and so forth. This is, this is what, what, we, what we regularly kind of dissect and, and, and bring into focus here on Green Planet, Blue Planet, to then understand what is the direction forward, because neither you or I or anyone else who's been on the show uh, claims to know all the answers because this is really not what it's about to have one strong leader but what's crystallizing more and more in this movement of regenerative systems and ways to live and, and structure life so that all individuals can live a, a thriving and prosperous life is to create what the term that's coming out is like islands of sanity quotation mark here no not not real islands but islands in the sense of um, testing groups, small groups where we can experience certain things that then can be brought to um, maybe medium-sized group and at some point could, could be real for, for large-sized group. And that's quite the opposite of how this global agenda and this global agenda around economic growth for no matter which cost um, is, is, is playing out because that's, that's basically top down into everywhere in the world. Now everyone has uh, cell phones, the whole world is is currently trying to understand if we need 5G or if it actually has severe health implications and if, there are, if there's other ways to go about it. So let's bring this back into the focus of this island of sanity. So when you got this notion to, to, to raise uh, the question of like why equality, shouldn't we play with this idea of fraternity first in this economic sense, walk us through, uh, through it, like what actually happened? Yes, um, so I suggested then, um, that we wouldn't uh, divide the total amount between the people, but we would take core responsibility for the total amount and each one would make a donation in that direction that was self-chosen and um, confidential. So no one would see what the other one chose, so you could really choose freely and yet the total amount once everyone had contributed was shared back to the group and how was it in relation to what we were wanted to to raise right and so we did one round of that and every family made a um, um, deposit um, of of a certain amount that they chose i i put it four questions to lead them to the place from where they could uh, choose that well. Um, and the first question was, um, what is the money for? They should now con like contemplate on that for a moment. 
The second question, who's gonna benefit from that? Then they could contemplate, oh, it's the kids, it's, it's all of that group. The third question was, who is with me in those efforts to raise that total amount? So their consciousness would go to the group um, and, and to the other parents and friends who are um, uh, co-financing that. And the fourth question was looking inside of myself, what is the amount that I want to contribute? So it was not how much can I, how much should I, how much do I want to contribute? And, and then with that amount, you do um, your deposit. And once all the deposits had been made, we saw what was the total amount um, that we reached. And um, what happened that was with the first run, we might made approximately 70% of the total. And then we just made another round of it. By communicating, okay, before it was 7,000 that we needed, now we need another three to get to the 10, or it was 11. So yeah, yeah. So one, one, one little um, addition to this, this is really curious in comparison to um, this like pay what you can donation, because usually you're, you're not always aware of the full amount that needs to be raised to make a project happen. And if you are, the question is usually what can you give? And rarely is there a who is going to benefit question and the guidance also into who else is giving so that we're really tapping into, as you said, the consciousness of the group that's coming together. Uh, so th those are already like maybe uh, small, seemingly small differences, but I, I could picture how that really changes the way we address um, at least how groups create a coherence around what they want to, yeah, create or, 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 or set forth for, let's say in this example, for the children that, um, that were to experience something, right? Yes, yes, exactly. So it was very small things, but I felt it always to be extremely important to be done exactly like that, because that is where, where the fraternal agreements were made or not. And exactly, there, I have experienced a lot of um, exercises before where people were asked to give how much they thought it was worth or how much they could, maybe for some time, but not sustainably. And um, in our experience, uh, experiment, what happened then was that with the second call, we arrived very much exactly at the total amount that we needed. So we made a second round with the same principle. And we basically got very, very close to exactly the number that we had called for. And what I found so amazing was that the, the, the amounts that we're giving were extremely different. Like some gave very high amounts, others gave very low amounts. Everyone passed through all the questions, everyone contributed, and we exactly got what we needed. And no one gave more than what he wanted because everyone was asked the question, how much do you give? So even if someone else gave much less, someone that gave a lot had only given how much he had wanted to give. And yet it was, it was a complete experience of abundance 
because everything that we needed was there at the end. And it came only from free will. That's very beautiful. Very interesting that it took two rounds in the first example specifically. Did you have other examples where you tried a similar kind of strategy or is this something that can be kind of um, observed that, you know, like it, it sometimes takes multiple rounds, but because people are actually in connection and as you said, through the guiding questions are somewhat in a shared field of consciousness. So they, um, quotation marks here, they feel each other. They understand that this, there's a process going on. Um, so, um, later we were repeating that exercises for different, um, costs that we had to raise for the school. And there was always in between certain questions appearing and, and certain doubts and fears. Um, and, and, um, um, so, so I, I always took them to kind of make the whole thing better. So we figured out there was certain there's certain circumstances that, that are important for it to work. So for example, that we would um, um, have the call out only for a very short time. So we wouldn't like say, let's put money together and we keep it for two weeks for people to, to put an amount. But it would be like much better the, the more we kind of like did the exercise in a very fast, um, manner like very very much like giving few days or like one or two days um, for for um, um, uh, getting the money together but as well the communication was extremely crucial in which way would we call for things that this uh, method as well and um, we later um, um, th there was another situation that um, we wanted to organize a workshop with 70 people that was in a different, um, in a different uh, context. And, um, and then my question was, is it as well possible to do that with people who don't know each other? And we as well developed a way how that was possible with amazing results. The workshop was um, like after the, after the first call, we already had the minimum of what we needed to do the workshop. And yet we had put up a budget that would um, allow us to pay everything that we would like to pay, right? And we were communicating this openly to people. But then when we were going to do the second round, uh, Corona came. And so we, we actually didn't continue with that. But what we then did was was we were doing a movement to give back the money because instead of holding it with us uh, until we have a date, we felt it was more important for people to have it back. Money is, um, is creating value once it flows. And so we made a process now to give back the money. And we would then, when we have a new date, um, would do the process again. And what was so interesting here in that process of giving back the money, we would now openly as well share what was the, the cost that we had so far, right? For the, for the workshop that at the end didn't happen. And we asked people to consider if they wanna leave a donation with us. Um, and what happened was that more than one third of the people donated the whole amount of what they had contributed before and all the others as well, like most of them made a donation of a part of what they, 
um, what they had given before and didn't want the whole thing back. And, and it was just because the abundance was there. It was created. They trusted that they wouldn't need money to access our workshop the next time mm -hmm. because they were welcome with how, how they were and what they had available. So then they, they, they didn't like, there was no need to hold back money, right? Because that is, that is the position that money in our current sit, uh, uh, system holds. It is, it is buying you the access into what you want to do. It's very curious to follow down this philosophical kind of um, conversation and, and these very pragmatic examples around money and the way we put value to, to money and the way we usually regard it because it's all based on simply the way we're, we're trained into using this, this current currency, right? And so that there's a, a level of anonymity in the examples you say, but there's also a high level of transparency and because of that interconnection through transparency, now a completely different feeling uh, of access uh, really starts to happen because in this example of giving the money back, people realized, oh, wow, um, next time we'll actually do this workshop, I will have access to the workshop and I will have the possibility to give as much as I want to give because now this has turned into a like, new normal for whoever was participating. Exactly, and at the same time, we were always very transparent about all the costs. So we were presenting, even in the beginning, when we were asking for people to find a contribution, we would also as well show our costs, like what were the costs that we had um, um, budgeted for the, um, for the workshop. And, and that transparency on our side made people trust and, and give their best. Amazing. So let's explore a little further here in, in our conversation. Um, I want to hear more about some of the, the conclusions you have and some of the, the ways you can see this, these, these kind of play out. Um, but first, I want to ask you one of my questions that are regularly coming up in this podcast, and it has to do with trust, actually, which we just segued into so naturally already. And so I want to know from you, Marcus, on a personal level, what is required for you to experience trust? It requires to perceive that the other one um, holds um, the best intention for me. That is that then it is that I can trust. That's a very succinct answer. I, I like how you tuned into that, and and it just came out. So that the other person or institution in that sense, uh, no matter who you're interacting with, has your most uh, positive outcome at, at heart, mind, or, or exactly. holds that in incoherence. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And does not put their own interest above mine. That's what lets me trust. If I know someone is really considering um, my best, so in, in coming back to the philosophical kind of guidance of the threefold of liberty, equality, and fraternity, that would mean there's a sense of equality brought into the equation of trust here because the equality is that there's no one, no one's intention or highest outcome is worth more than the other ones, but we're considering everyone's highest outcome as, as valuable. 
uh, equality is of course always in there as well and um, and there is this kind of agreement that I treat you as I treat me right like I don't put my my own needs above yours um, but I would even say it is it is like um, it is much more like a pro, uh, like brothers treat each other right like when I like that's what what is the difference between uh, my brother and a stranger that I know that my brother would not do something that um, benefits him um, if it means um, something bad for me and that that is basically like if we if we bring that kind of um, um, intention into our relation um, then uh, we, we establish fraternal agreements and that is what it is required for me to trust beautifully beautifully put and explained let me ask you about what I call earth vision and what you know Buckminster Fuller another great philosopher um, and, and architect and innovator of the last century um, was alluding to as well. And so the question I ask on this podcast is, what is your dream for the earth or your vision for the earth? And the context I want to give is if we were to zoom out on the timeline and say for the next seven generations, so we're, we're really allowing ourselves to go a little bit further than, than maybe just the next, the next few years and, and the immediacy of this corona pandemic and where, where we're in. And uh, you're more than welcome to kind of weave in your economic observations of what, where we started out this episode. Um, what I'm imagining is um, a kind of like, it, it, it is even like, connected to that image of the corona in some way because what is happening with the corona is that um, it, it is transmittable right so we are transmitting it from one to the next but in this case it, the, the consequence is that we get sick and need to be at home and 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 um, even worse things right um, but uh, what I see as a possibility is that we can transmit something else um, uh, to one another. And that's what I'm kind of hoping for, that um, like the, the, that the initiation into our deeper uh, potential as humanity is transmittable as well. So when I um, do this exercise, this, this economic practice, um, it touches people. It, it transmits something. Like when I, when I um, do a fraternal gesture in the economic realm with other people, it kind of activates something in them. Each of them who had, um, who had contributed an amount that he wanted experienced himself as a free giver of the solution. Right, and um, and so I feel that um, we are in a phase um, of humanity where we can start transmitting um, those 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 seeds for a better future 
um, to one another and where it becomes where it can become bigger bigger dynamics um, and more and more people are being initiated into their best. I like that. It's a very unique way to answer this question about the earth vision in a larger context is us transmitting and um, initiating each other into ever more uh, deeper ways of connecting or, or, or the consciousness expanding, you know, which is definitely very congruent to how, how I experience the world is why are we here, but to be consciousness expanding through seven, eight billion different perspectives and, and remembering um, the truth of our infinite nature uh, rather than the, the separate individual self. Yes, and in some way, the world that we um, um, find out there, which we consider not good, um, like all the troubles that we cause um, for the environment and, and socio-economically, uh, all those dynamics are produced by us, basically. And when we change uh, the dynamics of how we are relating to each other um, in the small scale, out there, other solutions will appear because the future lays in all of us and once we are, um, we are figuring out how we collaborate to bring it forth, it can take on forms that serve us all. Beautifully put. Is that what you would say allows you to stay optimistic no matter what is happening on the external kind of cosmos around us? Yes, yes. I always, um, when I look in my surrounding and I find something that, that I find troubling, I always look, okay, what is it in me that I would need to add so that I can say yes to reality, how it is? embracing what is as it is in other words arriving in the power of now and then from there steering into the next step yes marcus i have one more question for you i'm more than happy to um see what else you want to share as well and so my question is around purpose and the word purpose and what people usually consider uh, purpose to be and i want to just like hear your own perspective on that maybe um even with an example if there's something coming to mind yes so purpose has two, two aspects. Um, it is when two things come together. When what is my deepest inspiration comes together with a demand from the outside. That is when we have purpose happening. So there's often tendencies that we say, no, I need to find my purpose, right? And I look very much onto me. Or I, I, I look to the outside, what is purposeful to do? But um, it is when those two fall in one, that's um, what I call purpose. When what is true and good and necessary and urgent for me falls in place with a demand from the outside, a concrete need that exists out there in the world, then we have purpose happening. I like how you say deepest inspiration. If we go to the etymology of the word inspiration, 
obviously it comes from Latin, the word uh, breathing in, right? Inspi, inspirare, I think is, is somewhat how we would spell it. And so it's the deepest in-breath. When you breathe in and you hold at the top as the deepest way you can, that hope, that desire, that notion, that, that want for a better world or a healthier family or whatever it is, when that matches somewhere where you can apply that to the outside world. Really cool. I like that answer a lot. What a joy to have you on the show and explore, you know, just um, from your anthroposophical background um, with these like very pragmatic examples when it comes to um, the threefold philosophy or social threefolding and uh, how, how it really comes to play and comes to carry in economic sense. Um, yeah, more of that. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was very good to be talking about that, yes. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to a Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.